Welcome back to Kinda Christian, folks. As always, I am kinda excited to be with you again. Ah, Today's guest, well, there are no words to suffice, and he needs actually quite an introduction because this guy is one of the coolest jobs serving one of the most amazing ministries in the world. But I have uh, something I need to tell you. If you have not left us a five-star review, if you have not subscribed on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple, if you have not taken every minute of every day to basically swear fealty to this program through reviews and subscriptions, well, I just don't know what you're doing with your life. So, without further ado, it is my distinct honor, and probably more so even for him, to welcome Will Hart of Iris Global Ministries to Kinda Christian today to impress and amaze us all. Will, how are we doing? <laughs> What's up, Ryan? Uh, impress and amaze. Uh, that's the first time I've been introduced that way. Well, that's what we're expecting, and anything less would be a uh, a disappointment to our you know to our audience. Uh, just uh, honestly, an embarrassment. You know. Okay. Well, uh, what did you say? Unless they swear, what fidelity to to yeah this, then <laughs> I will try to I know, keep I to get, all of those oaths continuing today. Just wanted to get canceled a little bit there. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, first question we ask everybody on this show that is so. This the top of mind for all great philosophers. Um, how honored are you to be here today, Will? Well, considering I didn't know about this till about 20 minutes ago, um, <laughs> it's ramping up in my heart and soul. Uh, I will probably be able to answer that better at the end. But as of right now, um, 10, 10 out of 10, I guess. That's fantastic. I well, what is that? Yeah. To ask those philosophers, what does that even mean? That's right. Uh, what, what does it mean to be a 10? Oh, man. Well, I'm excited to be here, man. Thank you for having me on. Seriously. Absolutely, man. Well, it's obviously we needed someone to who could follow in the Himalayan footsteps of Metaxas and Comer and Tyson. Right. Only Will. And I like Heart and Soul. That would actually be a great name for a book. Did you consider that when you wrote your book? Uh, you know, you are the first person in my 20, almost 22 years in just another couple of weeks that has ever paralleled my last name with anything Christian. So yeah, I, really? I have it. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, Hey, there's a first time for everything. So <laughs> I get loving heart, brave heart, William Wallace, Ooh. uh, heart after Christ. My ministry was heart H A R T ministries. Yeah, no, it's a thing. I love that. I love that. Uh, brave heart. That would be fantastic. All right. So will, uh, tell us a little bit about your story, what you're up to right now. Um, I think, for those who don't know about Iris Global Ministries, give us a little backdrop of some of the amazing work that y'all are doing. Yeah, um, thank you, man. Um, I, uh, Iris Global uh, really is a, it's a lot of things, and depending on who you ask, you're going to get a lot of answers. But we are a family of like-minded, like-hearted believers that carries the core message of stop for the one, right? And we do that through a lot of different ways. Um, anything from uh, arts, entertainment, uh, preaching, teaching, loving the poor, the sick, the needy, uh, and doing our best to fall through with the Beatitudes and what the gospel says about serving those who we're called to serve in, in, in ministry and, and laying our lives down. So a radical group of people that goes to some of the most dangerous places in the world, the least, the broken, the poor, the sick, and the needy, and uh, plant churches and carry this gospel to the ends of the earth. 
Now, I imagine, and I'm, we're just going to jump into it because mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of, I mean, obviously, I started this show because I wanted a safe place to process some of the doubts and questions that follow uh, belief and faith in general. But just jumping into it because it's been the source of so much discussion. You've seen some crazy stuff on the ground out there as far as supernatural and the miraculous goes, right? Yes, 100%. It's one, one of our core values out of our five is that the miraculous is not an option. The miraculous is not an option. So is yeah. it yeah. Is it mandatory or what's what's the alternative? So, so we got to be careful when we say miraculous. And I, and I would like to say right. this. If, we're, if this is just us, right? Um, not everything I and say. The, and the thousands of people tuning in right now. <laughs> not everything I say is a representation of our <laughs> The following views. Yeah, the following views are the explicit opinion only of Will Hart and no one else. Yeah, no, like I just think like I, I think that on the Internet, it's a danger zone, right? You can't process. At the same time, we're putting this up. And I need to be responsible for what I say. But I would like to say that. Like, totally. If you're asking me my, my, my heart and thoughts on things, I'll, I'll, I'll share that pretty freely. Um, yeah, the miraculous is not an option. And I think when I make a statement like that, people immediately go to miracles, signs, and wonders. Yes, we mm-hmm. do. I do believe that miracles, signs, and wonders follow those that believe. It's a biblical precedent in my mind. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of the ways that people can... It's one of the ways that people can see the baptism of the Holy Spirit fully alive and functioning in your life, the gifts. Um, but the miraculous is not just what, what, you know, the blind see and the deaf hear. The miraculous is his provision. It is his grace. It's, it's his, it, it is, it's everything that we do. The supernatural uh, is not absent from anything that we do in our walk. And it shouldn't be. Yeah. And it's, and this is interesting because this is something that I, have in my periods of doubt and wrestling, I mean, on the one hand, um, some of the stuff that you, and, and again, you're not alone in this. I, I know so many people who have, uh, and are, you know, rational, logical, like this is not something you go looking for. And they're just, and it's interesting. It's the same tone. It's not a, uh, I have to have this happen all the time. It's just when we do this kind of work, out there on the front lines, so to speak, uh, trying to you know, you know redeem the earth per se. Uh, these just it's like a almost like the, I think they describe it almost like a flavoring. It just it just kind of happens uh, and stuff. And I've heard stories from so many people, and I personally have never seen this stuff, uh, but I'm just absolutely fascinated because it's not sort of fringe folks who are out there saying and you know, and you're like, hey, like did you really see that? This is we're talking accounts from you know Harvard PhDs of. Yeah. Uh, of the blind receiving eyesight back, the deaf receiving hearing, of food multiplying, which just you know blows my mind. Uh, and uh, I was actually going to ask you, uh, have you ever seen, uh, or do you know anyone who has claimed to seen food multiply? This is just mind. I've, I've heard this it. from so many people. I've seen it. Uh, we've seen it more than once in our uh, as our as our team is out ministering. I've seen it personally. I've seen crazy things that even now I, I can't fully explain what happens. So if you don't mind me pressing in this a little bit, because one, I also, um, you know, I know this, I think it's interesting for this, for a skeptic, you really are left with this question of how do so many rational people, uh, you know, who are not like, you know, jonesing for this, how do they, how do you explain away these, you know, thousands and thousands accounts of this stuff. Like it's, it's at a point where I think it's, it's reached such critical mass that you're kind of left with, okay, is everyone making this up 
or and again i know there's like they'll say well there's sightings of ufos how many people believe in bigfoot etc but you know at some point these are real examples where it's multiple you know it's not just you saw something it's there were other people there right i mean these are not just will alone in a forest right yeah. um this is yeah. you this is other people on the ground with you and seeing this stuff and when you see something like food multiply what does that do to your your framework and paradigm for the like the laws of the universe. <laughs> so of course I love the miraculous and I am shocked and blown away when I see it at the same time. Um, if I'm serving the creator of all things and he says, these signs will follow, right? There comes a place where, where, and by no means am I saying you get used to it, but it's like, it, it is this partnership with the Lord. It's this walking with the Lord. And at least for me in my 20, almost 20, it'll be 22 years in um, the end of October. Um, I've watched him do miracles from day one of my salvation up until, up until today. I mean, I haven't seen a, a deaf person here today, but, but we get testimonies around the globe. So um, yeah, I think it's, first of all, I'm from Massachusetts, right? So I grew up in a pretty, I have a Harvard educated grandfather, both my parents went to Ivy League schools. My father has a master's. Um, I, I come from a background of most, I have two of my, my relatives are philosophers. I grew up around a culture that questions a lot. And I grew up around, even on the East coast, that, that was very, very common to question. Um, and, and so I don't mind that. I actually, I think that that's beautiful. Beautiful. I think that the Lord created us to question um, but when, when it comes to the realms of faith, there has to be a comfort in the unexplainable. And so I, I think I saw, as I looked at your, uh, your YouTube channel, you had a woman on whose name is just, uh, I can't, uh, she, she talked about the miraculous and, and the Dr. Candy Brown. Yes. Dr. Candy. She wrote a book. I forget what it was called, but it was about miracles and one of her teams that she led, I believe it's, I'm 95% sure it's the same person, uh, led a team out to Mozambique. They brought Harvard uh, trained medical doctors and they did before and after. You can read the statistics in her book. So that's the extreme end of skeptics that are like trying to see proof. And, but even that, even as I've read the critiques of her review, right, her study, you still have critics that will knock knock that down. At the end of the day, I, I you have to get comfortable with. There's always someone that will that will critique, and there's always someone that, no matter how much proof you have, or no how much you show, no matter how much personal stories you tell, that someone just goes, "Yeah, it, it's just chance, or it could be." So I've become comfortable um, in my own heart, just letting people think what they want. And I trust the creator of the world to reveal himself to people the way that he, that, that he desires when he desires. And I do my best to present the gospel and present a, a Christ-like life to model that. So whenever that happens in someone's life, that, that I'm there to, to, to disciple and train up. But I, I've become comfortable not having to explain everything to everybody and having this, this proof upon proof upon proof. Hmm. It, go for it, man. Shoot holes in that thing. No, no. I'm my first, actually my, I'm embarrassed to say my first question is, uh, 
What type of food gets multiplied? Is it like high carb, like unhealthy food? Or I freaking love that question. I've never seen ribs multiplied. Never. Oh, um, how co- see, that is, that's a big hole in this argument. How come tri-tip, ribs, yeah. so you the, know, things the, that should be multiplied? <laughs> I agree. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's pork. I don't know. Um, uh, <laughs> the, the, so the times that, that the one time that I saw it multiplied where, where it was like, oh my God, something crazy took place here. I will say this. It's never happened in a way where it's planned. Right. It is right. It happens in the spur of the moment. And anytime I've seen a crazy multiplication or something created from nothing, it, it's it, most of the time it's after the fact. Right. It's like, how the heck did that happen? Because when you're in the middle of it, you're not recognizing it. In this one scenario, in this one case, we were we were in northern Mozambique, pulled a bunch of kids down. We were we, we had, I don't know, 150, 200 kids from a village. And we were passing out cookies and we had a little, little bag of cookies that I I haven't done a count, but let's say 200 cookies at the most, at the most 300 little cookies and these nasty cardboard things in a bag. And they went through three times and gave each, each kid, uh, two, if not more. And by the end they were given out handfuls of cookies and, and we were there presenting the gospel to these little village kids. In the moment, we weren't like, God's multiplying. It was, we were feeding people. We were, we were taking care of them. There was no acknowledgement until after the fact when we're sitting down with the team going, how the heck did that happen? That's a small one. That for me, uh, wrecked me, broke me. I, I questioned God uh, in the middle. Why would you do that with these little cookies? There seems so insignificant, but he loves his children. Uh, but Heidi has some of the, Heidi has some of the more clear, um, multiplication food stories in her personal life. There was one that I love, I love hearing um, when she had, I think 200 kids that they had no money, no food, and a missionary came and they had gone, I think days without having a full meal. And a missionary came and Mm. brought Heidi Rollin and her, her natural born children, a pot of rice and beans. And, and she tells the story of feeding every single person, every single one of their kids there from this one small pot that was meant for her family. So we're talking massive multiplication. Um, I personally have experienced driving uh, 14 hours, 12 hours with no diesel in our tank in the Congo as we're going through rebel territory. And, and even in that, I didn't notice it until we got back to the end. See, in the middle, we're worried about falling off cliffs, which we slid off of a cliff. And we're worried about, are we going to get shot or killed? But it's not until after the fact that you go, that journey took us 12 hours. It was supposed to take four. That journey took us 12 hours. We arrived in the village with empty tanks, no gas stations, no nothing. As we're getting ready to leave, we had two vehicles. Someone brings a, a jerry can of diesel. That's about five gallons, let's say. They put half in one truck, half in another truck, both on empty. And let's say that empty still had five, 10 gallons in each one. We drove 14 hours, 12, I'm sorry, 12 to 14 hours. I don't remember exactly. We'll call it 12. We'll call it 10 just for skeptics. We drove 10 hours through the jungles um, with a minuscule amount of diesel in our tanks. And, And when we pulled into the driveway, where we're saying the vehicles shut down, 
and we couldn't even get them started the next morning. Like they, they, there was nothing in them. They, they shut down in our driveways. And so we sit back and we have a friend that was actually there. You could ask your friend this exact same. She was there um, when this wow. took place. And you sit down and you just go, I don't know how that happened, but it's a sign that makes me wonder. It's a sign and a wonder. And so I have a lot of things over wow. the years. And so I, I, food multiplication is easy because people, they, when they picture Jesus, they picture him lifting it up, breaking bread, giving thanks, and then <laughs> they pass it out. But if you read the story, they're there passing it out. They're not there counting. They only count at the end. Hmm. They count the amount of people that are there. They recognize that there's a limited thing. You have a boy with loaves and fishes. And, and at the end, they count it. And, and that's the hard part. Very rarely do you see it happening in the, while it's taking place. Or maybe, maybe not see it, but recognize what's actually taking place. Wow. Okay, I've got so many thoughts, questions. Okay, this, this, thank you for sharing this story. No problem. One, what brand of Jeep was this great commercial opportunity? This was, uh, uh, we had a Mitsubishi of- something or other from Japan. Because you get all these cars from Japan that are bought up. So okay. it was a Mitsubishi, and I think we had a land cruiser an old land, an old like land cruiser i got photos that's a great be great commercial great endorsement great testimonial yeah. right you know and then they could license like celine dion's i drove all night you know let's maybe two on the nose it does 14 hours in the car too 10 for i would be curious at some point to know your playlist uh that's a yeah i'm assuming there's not great 5g out there no we so. had soldiers we had uh we were petrified because we were driving through rebel territory and so our whole oh thought, our whole time was getting unstuck, right? Because we you would drive for five minutes, be stuck for 20, drive. And then, and it was just all night, all night long. At one point, we went off the side of a cliff where one of our wheels was teetering over the side. And okay, even that, that place, absolutely like, we're the, terrifying. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're in the jungles of the Congo. I remember at one point, so I had my hand on the door. My wife was with me. We'd just been married, I don't know, eight months at that point. Uh, there was a... 17 year old girl with us and an 18 year old kid with us. And we drive off this cliff and we're there teetering with, with uh, one wheel hanging over. And I remember getting ready to jump out. Cause my thought was if the car goes over, when the car goes over, I'll be able to at least go down and try to save lives. And, and it stopped as we're there on the corner. And I remember looking out, we're in the middle of nowhere jungle of DRC and we're sitting there and we're trying to figure out, how do we get this vehicle back on this mud path carved into the side of a mountain? And I look over and there's a, there was a, a wall, a pile of rocks there that was like just the right amount. We disassembled this wall, put it under, under the tire. And so like for me, yes, any skeptic would be like, well, it was just there. Number one, I don't know why there's a wall in the middle of the jungle that's five feet long by two feet wide by three feet tall. That's not a wall. That's just a thing, but it was constructed and was just randomly and why why did it you know fulfill this exact purpose that we needed at the at the time we got out we kept going it didn't it didn't save us right from going off the cliff but it was a part of our journey and so for me my that that spoke more the wall spoke spoke to me just this little wall in the jungle spoke just as much to me as 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 no diesel in our tanks or the or when I, when we were invited onto the base of the Congolese soldiers, we should have never been invited onto that base. I was 24 years old and we were invited onto the base as the soldiers were assembled. And I preached this glorious gospel 
And one by one, you heard thud, 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 as they dropped their guns and began crying out to the Lord. The miraculous is the captain of the army who just got saved a couple of weeks prior at a meeting we were doing in the jungles that gets up and spins around and dances and leads his troops for 45 minutes in praise and worship. That is equally miraculous. So I, 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 I don't separate them. And, and I don't separate any of those things. Yeah. Wow. No, oh, man, that cliff sounds terrifying. It's, it's, I wouldn't put that in the video uh, when you invite donors to come join you on a, we don't. On a mission, unless they, unless they really want the thrills. <laughs> but wow, that is, that is my dumb. So I think the natural question that comes up is, and I'm, I've heard various iterations of an answer to this, but why do you think we don't see and I'm not, and I can't obviously make the claim that we don't see this in the United States, but it seems to be a understanding that these types of miraculous events tend to occur with more frequency uh, in environments that are uh, like the ones you're in that are fraught with risk and peril. Um, and so what do you think's going on there? Do you think it's a, is it a lack of expectation in the West? Is it uh, God would need to work potentially differently in the West? Or is it just, hey, uh, you're on the front lines of, uh, if the Christian narrative is true, there's a battle and yeah. you are on the front lines and you would you know, ostensibly need more uh, support, more air cover, if you will. Uh, I'm gonna answer this two ways, you might not like it, but number one, I would disagree with the <laughs> I can premise. always edit it. That's okay, yeah, yeah. I would disagree with the premise that miracles function or happen more frequently uh, on the front lines. Um, I don't see that in the scripture. I do see these signs fall those that believe, right? Um, and I do see from the beginning to the end of scripture, uh, God speaking to and working through those who are in obedience. Jesus said this, if you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot understand him. Because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives inside of you, right? I don't care who you are. I don't care uh, what you're, whether you're on the front lines or not. We receive the Holy Spirit at, when, when, when we accept Christ. Now, I'm not getting into the theological debate of the baptism versus the baptism of the Spirit right. versus receiving Spirit. But, but Jesus is very, very clear that, that we, we receive something greater than what the world understands or sees. And so the miraculous is involved in, in anything and everything. Now, when you're speaking of the miracle sign gifts, right? The healings, miracles, signs, and wonders, right? Um, yes, I would say in my life, I've seen them more frequently overseas. But at the same time, some of the most powerful miracles I've ever seen have been right here in America. Um, or, you know, and, and, and that's hard to explain. I, I think that if I have to look at what is the difference between maybe overseas where you pray for someone and they immediately get healed. Like we see that in Mozambique, you can read it in um, that, that, that author's book, even on the, on the deaf hearing in, in Mozambique, almost every time Heidi prays for someone uh, in, with the Makua and the Makandi tribes in Northern Mozambique that is deaf, they get their hearing back. And you can see that. And that's different levels of deafness as well, from full to partial. They they received. Yeah, that was a peer reviewed. That was that was a peer reviewed study. It was the effects of proximal intercessory prayer 
Uh, and it was uh, the forward was done by Harvard Medical School. It was a small sample size, and that's that would be the main criticism. But it was published in the Southern Medical Journal, and uh, I loved the forward um, by the physician at Harvard Medical School, which said that this does not. I'm paraphrasing, but it says this doesn't prove that God healed them, but some sort of healing is happening beyond the normal explanatory effects of hypnosis or even placebo, because that was one thing that Candy pointed out is that. You can think you see better and hear better, but there are tests that will be calibrated to show whether, in fact, you actually are seeing. You can think you saw the letter A, but if it's a letter D, you actually are not seeing better. And so the the uh, effects were. I I I find this study fat. I find this study interesting because not, not a lot of people talk about it. And I thought, regardless of your theological bent, if if how many people around the world suffer from impaired vision and hearing, I thought. This seems to, you know, this is probably neutral at worst, you know, and uh, why not go get hands and get someone to be prayed for? I th- it's just, it's a remarkable study. So uh, Candy's, uh, Candy's incredible. And that research is just so fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Candy Brown uh, also interviewed uh, Dr. David Zaritsky in that book. Uh, mm-hmm. And he also is a, has so many stories of, of these miracles that he's seen, but yeah, I, I don't remember what I was talking about, but, uh, you know. We were talking about the, the frequency of miracles. Yeah. And so I appreciate it. So you're saying that, um, uh, and again, I, I wouldn't make the case, obviously, either that biblically it's, you know, they're going to see more miracles in the in the rougher areas. But it, it's, it seems to fall under what you would call like experiential just knowledge, mm-hmm. like, you know, that it seems to be where people are concerned with moving God's kingdom forward the most. It seems that... Uh, from my limited vantage point and from interviewing these people, it seems that that those sorts of alleged signs and wonders tend to accompany that activity more so than say someone who is genuinely interceding for a Lamborghini on their couch. Um, Yeah. And that maybe, and maybe some things are closer to the father's heart than others, you know, Uh, the Lord loves to give good gifts to his children. um, And he is a father. Right. And so all that being said, I would, I would look at it. If I, if I, you know, gun to my head right now, I would say, there is a different faith level. Um, there's a different culture of faith where I think here, here in the States or maybe more affluent countries, we have the ability to not put our faith mm-hmm. in the miraculous where you have these other nations that they need it uh, because there are no, there are no other options in their mind and in their heart. So I think that, I think faith does play uh, into this. Uh, would you would you also argue it's it's also a necessity because one thing that I've uh, tried to study too is the reality of uh, the antagonist here, and so that if we grant that there is a God and there is signs and wonders, that it's also if that narrative is true, there's also an adversary. And correct me if I'm wrong; I don't know much about um, uh, Mozambique, but um, there is also a necessity, right, where people uh, have access. There are. There's lots of occult practice and uh, and witchcraft, and mm-hmm. there's a reality of super. I, actually, that's that. This is true too, right? That the reality of the supernatural is far more accepted in these in these countries than they are here, per se. A hundred percent. I don't need to convince somebody whether that's in Asia, uh, rural Asia, uh, rural Africa, mo- most of these South America. You, the the discussion isn't about whether the supernatural exists here. We have that discussion a lot more so. Interesting. So that would, I mean, that actually would be an interesting case, right? So here it's, you know, what would be more convinced, you know, you could recite Wayne Grudem's systematic theology yeah. uh, to uh, 
to someone out in rural Mozambique and they might go, you know, I know I, that doesn't matter to me. Like I, there's, there may be a witch doctor, right. Who is performing legitimate signs and wonders on, on their perspective. And so there ostensibly is this need for God potentially to show up and do more um, dramatic things because you're not gonna be able to, and it's, and it's interesting too, because I, I totally do not believe like I, I hear this narrative that, Oh, well there's like, it's almost like this accusation that it's more, people are more, um, you know, credulous that they, that they believe these things more easier. And I think it's important to remember too, that, you know, that only in this like Western sort of, you know, American European, uh, society that we're kind of the minority as far as globally is like not ascribing reality to the supernatural, right? Like we're the vast majority of the world seems to understand that there's something else going on beyond the natural. And I I feel like we kind of walk around a little entitlement, like, Oh, everyone else needs to get on board. And it's like, actually, we're in the very small minority, right? I, I think we're pretty bipolar with picking and choosing, to be honest. I mean, I read a study, I, I don't know when, a few years ago, but they took a poll on, you know, what do you, do you believe God exists? Do you believe angels exist? Do you believe the supernatural is it? Most people, even in America, would say, yes, there's something there. But when it comes down to actually pinpointing them, then that's where that's where it dissolves. Uh, but most people believe in the supernatural, but not, but to the extent that makes them feel comfortable or that fits whatever religious view that they, that they have. Let me ask you this. Uh, I, I have talked to so many people who've done incredible work out there. Uh, and one thing that routinely makes its way back as far as the stories is the amount of joy and happiness there in the midst of some of the most awful uh, circumstances that people yeah. could find themselves in. And has that been your experience? Have you found that, uh, I, I'm wondering if there's a lesson there for, you know, we live in just absolute, just abundance here. Uh, and I feel like if I can quantify that, we may not have nearly as much joy if I'm painting with a broad brush. Cause obviously I don't want to, I don't ever want to suggest that people are happy with the circumstances that they find themselves in, but there seems to be a pervasive joy uh, that I've heard about. Has that been your experience? A hundred percent. It's actually one of our core values as well. You're hitting them on the head. Oh, I got two on there. All right. One of our core values is um, that joy is not an option. Um, and what is more miraculous than those who are being persecuted to experience radical joy? I, I was just, I mean, I, if I can be like, how, how deep do I want to go? Cause I can share some stories that will. Dude, you're on, you're on the premier, uh, theological questioning podcast, this side of the 405. Uh, so I mean, just have at it, man. Don't worry. The editors can take out anything that you <laughs> repent of later. Well, we're so good. I, I was just in Mozambique about three months ago. Maybe it's a little bit more than that, but you know, I, within the last few months I was in Mozambique. And probably most of your viewers don't know, but there is a massive war going on with radicals uh, up in northern Mozambique. So this is where our president, uh, our presidents, Heidi and Roland live. This is our, one of our, lar- our largest base out of all of our locations around the globe, almost 80 locations. And what started out as a small group of rebels turned into a, a terrorizing organization that was, that is currently and was, uh, with much more freedom they, they started to crack down a little bit more going into villages, raping, killing, mutilating, uh, entire villages of people. And so we have 
right around 3,000 churches in the northern province of Mozambique. So we're talking all of this taking place in northern in northern Mozambique. So over the last two, three years, as it's ramped up, currently there's the last numbers I heard, and this was a month or two ago, was about 850,000 refugees flee, fleeing the north, coming down to Pemba, where we're at, Cabo Delgado. They're fleeing south. And the stories I you hear are unbearable. I've worked with a group uh, recently. Uh, there's so many amazing ministries, and these guys uh, ask that I don't use their name because they, they want to be silent. Yeah. But these guys work in in those sorts of circumstances. And I was speaking with the head of this organization after I sent some of the videos of the torture and the mutilation. Because I get sent this stuff. Um, and he said in all of his years, it's the worst thing he's ever seen. And these guys w- work in war zones. They work amongst, um, yeah, they work They work in the craziest. And so so this is the backdrop of what's going on. And I'll leave, this is leading up to something. So I... So this is going on and we're, we're as an organization, as a ministry with passionate lovers of Jesus, we have teams that are there on the ground. They're giving their life away. They're, they're saying, I'm willing to give my life away to preach the gospel in the midst of all this. Of course, some left, but, but a chunk stayed as well, as well as our nationals rising up and, and taking on leadership. But uh, I flew out there to encourage the team, um, in the middle of all this, fully knowing that at any moment they can come into Pemba and and kill people. They earlier, oh man, I want to say no, November, December, January, I forget exactly that uh, the group came in. They took over a whole city around the size of Pemba. They took over the whole city, killed nationals and internationals. Um, and so I'm, I fly out there to encourage our team um, because because they need it, they're on the front lines. And as I, I flew in, I landed on the plane and Heidi picked me up and we drove from the airport to our base. And she brought me into a lunch with five pastors and, and their wives. And one by one, I sat there after flying 30 something hours and I listened to the stories of them fleeing the Northern province to escape this. And so the first pastor uh, began to share and he says, uh, you know, my, when they came into our village, uh, we ran and my four-year-old couldn't run fast enough. And so they decapitated him. Uh, and my daughter, who was seven, ran that direction. We can't find her. She's probably dead or kidnapped and being abused right now. And he starts weeping, right? So he's weeping and we, we just surround him. We're praying for him and, and mourning, mourn with those who are in mourning. So we're going, we're, we're going through, and then we get to the next one. And same story. I don't know where my wife is. She's, she was probably kidnapped and being held as a slave. Uh, my daughter's dead, you know. Uh, oh, I came back after, and I found their, their heads chopped off. And then they didn't stop them, just decapitating my four-year-old. They chopped them to little pieces. And even to the point where you hear the stories of cannibalism. I made it through about three, two and a half stories. Uh, before I physically, and I have seen the worst, man. Ryan, I'm going to tell you something, man. Like, I've been around some of the worst. I've seen the worst. We go to the front lines. Uh, I, and I had to leave halfway through. And I just went and vomited all over. Like, I vomited in the sink that I found in, in a kitchen. 
It was too much. The most horrific things I have ever heard. And not only is it not just a story, you have these believers, these pastors, who are sharing this stuff in front of me. So we get, I come back in, and we get through all the stories, and you can't explain what it is to someone. I, I found myself going, God, where are you? And I have been around this stuff for 22 years. Even me in my own faith, I am questioning things. I am experiencing all the feels. And we got to the end, and it took about two hours because we paused and we prayed and we worship and we hug. We get to the end and everybody worships. And I sat back. You know, my wife had cancer, stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. It was potentially a death sentence. She's alive. She's doing amazing. She made it through as a year of, of chaos. That shook my faith to the core. I listened to these stories of the the greatest um, torture that any parent or any human would go through. And the end was praise. It was worship. And we, we came together in one voice and worshiped. And I realized that no matter how much I study, no matter how much I read, no matter how much I pursue a master's degree, no matter how much I've seen the miraculous, they have something that I do not have. And that only comes through experiencing the worst and finding joy in the middle of it. And I would say, Ryan, more than all the miracles I've seen, that caused me to shake more than seeing the deaf hear the lame walk or the blind see. Raw faith and love and zeal for Jesus in the middle of persecution. Wow. Wow, that's just you know, people need to hear what's going on. Uh, this is it's weird. It's so morbid because you hear things like that, and you know you go, "That's horrible." But also, in a, in a very strange, weird way, it also reminds you just how fortunate we are to the rea realize that, like, we I don't really know what persecution is. Yeah. Um, you know, being criticized online for something I said is way is just in a different stratosphere. Um, how do you, as, cause you're a pastor and I know you always got a sermon in you. Um, and I, I love this about you. Uh, how, what do you say to someone? Because this is obviously one of, this is the, you know, we're not probably going to solve this issue today, but this reality of this, just, just evil chaos that we see rampant around the world. And you see this and you see these pastors, these men who have given their lives to spread the gospel and they are beset with just tragedies and atrocities that you know you can't even begin to fathom how do you reconcile that with the with the knowledge that you know god is love and that there is and he has a plan and a purpose um how do we how we, what counsel would you give to someone trying to sort through that um you know e easier said than sitting here in a western you know affluent city and drinking my seven dollar latte it's like god God, as John Tyson would say, God's so good, man. He's got a plan for my life. You know? And then how do I reconcile that with what I just heard? You can. And... <laughs> you, you, and I, and There's I'm our being, Instagram clip right there. <laughs> I'm being honest. You, you can't. And that's the yeah. thing. Everybody wants an answer, but they're not willing to jump in 
uh, they're not willing to jump in themselves, right? And I think that these answers come in the middle of facing impossibilities. The hardest part for me in my faith is what do I do when I don't see truth coming to pass the way that the Bible says it should? And that is something that every man, woman, and child in their faith, faith will have to wrestle through sometime or another. They will have to wrestle that. I would go a step further, Ryan. I would say that I would say the backdrop of Christianity, the backdrop of the, the, the go of the gospel is not one of sitting. It is, it is Jesus. He, he, he called people. He trained them up. He rapidly depo- deployed them and said, go and do the same things that I'm doing. If you look at the first 300 years of the early church, you have the apostolic age and the anti-Nicene age. Um, those two ages took Rome from that of a pagan nation to a Christian nation. It took 300 years. It happened with on the backdrop of the worst persecution um, people have ever seen. Um, what they were doing to Christians was horrific, yet the gospel advanced at such a fast pace. I, I think we try to take the call of the gospel and stick it in a pew at a church. And I love the church. I serve the church. You call me a pastor. I don't have a church. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself a pastor. Thank you anyway. Um, But uh, I think that we've made church into something very safe. We've made church into something that that goes, oh, if you just raise your hand and say this special sauce, then then you're going to get saved. But the reality is what Jesus was presenting was unto death to these disciples. I love, I I was reading uh, The Calling of the First Disciples, right? Jesus literally walks up to dudes cleaning their nets, okay? And he goes, give me your boat. They give him his boat. He preaches. They come back in and they had listened to this message. And he goes, go put your nets out again, right? And and they do. They, they obey him. They go, master, we fished all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we will do that. So they do. They they, which I, which I actually love. I, if I can pause for a second, Ryan, I won't get preachy, but like, I love that they were like, we've been doing this all night, bro. But because you say so, we'll do it. Like I, and I love that personal journey in this. Everybody's looking for our faith to be robotic and everybody's looking for this faith to be clean. And it's not, it's very messy and it's very gritty and you have to get into it with him. Right. And Jesus doesn't mind you working through your process as long as at the end you go but because you say so so you see this moment right they let their nets down they call the other boats and nets began to break right jesus in in that moment does not sell them tell them to go sell their fish right they have their greatest financial moment ever potentially and and he doesn't say go sell them or sell them at wholesale and then let's go right he just goes now follow me right this call from the beginning is not in everything making sense. This call is obedience. And it goes back to what I said before. If you love me, you'll obey me. I think a lot of the church, and I'm generalizing here, and I love the church, but I think a lot of us have made our faith to sit in a pew and have it all make sense. And it can't and it won't. Jesus is not a meal ticket out of suffering or chaos. He is the hope in the midst of all that. And and yes, he does do the miraculous. The miracles are not an option, right? But but we cannot figure this whole thing out. We can't. Yeah. And that journey, like where I said, the hardest thing in my life is when I pray for my wife 
And I've seen cancer healed. I've seen it. I've seen cancer healed more than once. But yet it's happening in my own, in my own family, my own wife. What do I do? How do I respond? And how would you explain that to your kids too? Oh, I, so my kids were one, eight, and nine. And uh, so a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old might ostensibly have some questions, right? Oh, they had great. Dad, is mom going to die? You want to know how I explained it? I don't know if this is right or wrong, but uh, let me ask you. How? Come on, Ryan. Let me ask you. How would you? Right? Do you have kids? No. So as a, as no kids uh, right now, I would. I, I remember because I read Jack Deere had a um, a powerful memoir about his own break, his ministry just taking off and dramatic healings. And he's very open. He and his wife are very open about uh, her uh, descent into some real serious um, health problems. And I just remember that because the the kids would ask, hey, how come, how come does God love these other people more than mom? Why is she seeing, and him having to wrestle and, you know, and it just, uh, it, it it just seems, I, I forget how he explained it, but I think if I was having to take a shot at that, and I, I would say, well, I'd probably go back to the uh, uh, the furnace of Nebuchadnezzar and just say, look, you know, the Lord God will heal and will deliver. And he does. But even if he doesn't, um, it doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah. And it's like double thinking. You just got to blow your mind and just trust that ultimately, if somehow this is true, and if somehow there is a God that's, loving and kind and he is sovereign over all things then just because you can't think of a reason right. Uh, right now doesn't mean there couldn't be one and as long as there's a possibility that he's got a reason then you have to be open to that and that sounds so trite and i hesitate to say that because anyone going through stuff i get it i mean i've 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 never thankfully gone through cancer or anything like that but i i would go how do you how frustrating for you as a husband to see miracles and these sort of things and then go, God, come on. Like what the heck? My wife is sick. Right. Uh, I, I think well done. I, I, I would, I, I don't, I don't dislike your response for me in the moment. It caught me off guard. Right. Cause we're in the throngs of yeah. just, I'm going, you know, do I need to start up a new wife search committee? You know, like all of those things. Oh, that was, a, that was bad. So terrible. Whatever, oh. whatever. Oh, whatever. You, you loved it. Uh, <laughs> well, honestly, like that was actually part of my wife's in my conversation. Yeah, I, I that, actually that I, I've read the accounts where that's like that's the kind of thing yeah. where yeah. you know, like do you, I mean, what a mark of maturity too. If someone's like, I want you to be happy, and you know, who's going to care for like what a horrible mature conversation. She, like, she was more like, I know you won't be able to wait two weeks before you get remarried, so let's do this thing together. If it, it was like, oh, dude, this is this is too real. Like, I thought, okay, I'm sorry. I thought this was no, no. I appreciate. No, I'm I'm just saying. Me, this is like blowing my mind. Also, I want to be respectful of your time. You, uh, I know you have uh, an appointment to get to, right. um, and I do want to make uh, I want to make space too for anyone who's heard this and they've heard these stories of Iris Global Ministries and and what you're up to. Uh, do you want to uh, just give a quick plug to and how can people yeah. get involved and partner with with Iris? So I got 12 minutes. Uh, let me just answer with, oh, okay. my, with my kid. Uh, so what, here's what I told my children. And I, I would say it's even harder for them because than, than most people, because all I do is travel and preach and teach and, and preach on God moving miraculously. And so their whole lives, they had seen dad, right? Jesus uses dad, but like, they don't fully understand Jesus. You know, we're, we're, we're discipling them, but that what they, what they see as little, little chicken nuggets is, 
dad goes and prays for people and they get healed. Right. And so why can't dad pray for mom? Like that struggle was very, very real in my kids. And so I'll never forget. I, I was driving my daughter to a birthday party and, and my son, as I dropped her off, he's sitting all the way in the back of our minivan. He goes, dad, uh, is mom going to die? And I remember pulling over in the parking lot and just turning around saying she could. Right. And he just burst out. She bur- he burst out crying. I didn't, I never wanted to present something to my kids that would, where I would lie to them, where my faith, right. Where they have to take on my faith. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a weird thing. And I, I probably should sit down and write about it and process this. Cause I haven't, uh, I really haven't. But I turned around and I said, yep, she could. And and I just remember this conversation with my son being like, but any of us could. Um, we had seen a car accident the day before. And I, and I just said, well, Josh, you know, they were driving and they got in a car accident. That person could have died and no cancer, no nothing. I said, and I, and I took that moment to share with him a little bit of my faith and how I got there. But, but here's what I said. I said to him and I said to my daughter, And I said this to the doctors uh, of the Hershey, Pennsylvania Medical Center. I said, you guys do what you do best and I'm going to do what I do best. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I told my kids, I said, I said, Josh and Bella, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to fight and I'm going to pray. And I want you to journey on this thing with me. And we're going to do this thing together. And I brought my kids into it. I've done my best to bring them into our walk. So they don't just see the good stuff. They see the struggle. They see the missionary struggle. They, you know, they were born on the missions field. And so I, for my kids, I do my best to bring them into the, all of the God, all of, all of the life, not just the sermons. Man. Oh, real talk. Gosh, love this. Um, <laughs> will, uh, Anyone whose heart is stirred by any of the stories you've shared, et cetera, um, how can they get involved with Iris? First of all, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on, Ryan. Um, what a what an honor, man. And we can do this again if you have more questions or, or if you Oh, I've got, uh, yeah, yeah, I've got, yeah. I want the film rights to this. Jeez. Okay. Uh, too late. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so Iris... Iris is not a humanitarian organization. We are a gospel preaching, um, serving the poor organization for the sake of the gospel. But we do a lot of stuff uh, as we go and preach this glorious gospel to the ends of the earth. Um, so if there are people that, that want to get more involved or become a part of that, uh, you can go to our website, irisglobal.org, um, and you can find out information there. If you yourself, while listening to this, get stirred, you're like, man, I want to do something with my life. I would say, number one, uh, you've known that from the day you got saved. And uh, and I would say, man, one of the best things to do, if you want to learn how to kill giants, get around giant slayers. And I'm not saying that we know how to do this well, but uh, we do schools, we do trainings, uh, and we do it. Uh, we do schools and trainings and different things around the world. You can go to our website. And if you're interested in finding out more, honestly, Ryan, I don't, we don't like promote. So we don't ask for funds. We don't, as an organization, we just, that's not our heart. That's not our core. Um, But if I can get this one thing to tell, tell, 
tell your listeners something that I'm really excited about is our online missions course. It's not, you won't finish it and become a missionary, but if you're interested more about the heart and core of what I'm talking about, um, we do, we go through our core values. We, I bring in some of the best missional voices that I know, people that I glean from. Um, and it's an eight week course, three days a week. We do it live and we do it for 50 bucks oh, for eight weeks, three wow. days a week, because we, we, one, we want people to value it. If you don't put something on it, they don't value it. But two, we want to make it easily accessible to anyone. And even in that, if you can't afford it, you can reach out and we'll do whatever we can to help. But if you're interested, uh, and that starts up in just a couple of weeks, our eight-week training, you can go online um, to irisglobal.org and find out some more information. And if you're looking to dive a little bit deeper into the pool, I would encourage you to jump into that and uh, go on And also, you have a book out that I received a copy of. Uh, <laughs> quick plug, what is the name of your book? Oh, and, uh, I, you know what? Like, I hadn't talked about my book. I don't talk about my book ever, but I was asked to at this event that we were at. And uh, it's called God Runner. I haven't read it in a long time. I wrote it years ago. It's the only product that I have. It's a coloring book, folks, that you can basically fill in your <laughs> mission and purpose. And I, uh, I, I, I love. I thought it, your man. book was called uh, Missionary Impossible. I thought we had agreed that was uh, you were. Uh... <laughs> it's it's my story, and uh, I wrote it for my kids, basically, and anyone in between. And so. Yeah, uh, God Runner, you can find it on Amazon and other things. God Runner by Will Hart. Pick yourself up a copy today. Well, folks, it's come to that very sad time where we must say adieu until next time we speak. But we've been speaking with Will Hart of Iris Global Ministries. Uh, Will, thank you so much for sharing and just yeah, all the work you're doing. And uh, just so so appreciate you. So, yeah, man, as, uh, as we either say, either God bless or... May the universe and order of energy that seems to have no explanation confer upon you a feeling of significance far beyond what is merited by the stats. Dude, so, Brian. Those are my, that's my secular standoff and a sign off and my, glo- uh, my uh, theological one. <laughs> can, I, can I pray for your people real quick or is that allowed? Of, of course. Um, yes, you absolutely can. I, and it's funny too. I didn't charge my laptop in front of this, so it's perfect timing. We have about 5% left and what a chance for a miracle that my... My battery was at five percent, and Will prayed for three hours, and it just stayed on. Yeah. Let me just let me just pray real quick, Father. I just thank you for each and every one that's listening right now, Lord. I, I don't believe you brought them here by chance, uh, but Lord, I ask uh, that you would move on their hearts so wonderfully, so beautifully. And if and if people don't know you, Lord, I would ask that you would draw near to them. Uh, and Holy Spirit, I just thank you. I thank you for each life, God. You put them on here for a purpose and a plan. And Jesus, I ask that you would reveal yourself to them as they as they seek you. In Jesus' my name, Lord, if there's anyone that needs a miracle, God, you know their hearts. You know what we ask before we even ask it. But Lord, I ask that you would move on them and in them and through them. Lord, that we wouldn't just have conversations about you. But Jesus, that you would come and draw near and touch hearts and reveal yourself uh, to each and every listener. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you don't know him. I would encourage you to know them, find a great Bible-believing church, knock on their door, and talk to somebody. For more information on God, you can visit his website at god.org, right? Yeah, and, uh, Or that's pull out his number one bestseller, The Old Testament and New Testament. Ooh. It's been on the top of the charts for about 100 years. It's the so only as long book as where the charts, author communicates with you while you read his book. 
it's an interactive read as well and a lot of contributors so enjoy that book so will thanks so much for doing this so appreciate it and uh folks we'll see you next time Thank you so much for listening to Kind of Christian. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review.